0: Yo, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another week of the Balls ATV podcast. Me and Drew in the reins today. You know, Rob and Lowe are going to be taking off. But me and Drew got a jam-packed episode. Going to be joined by LDQ Sports, also known as Logan (coughs) Quinton, from Fox Sports Knoxville, talking about the baseballs being super regionals bound. We got a lot to unpack. Going to not you tell you guys not to hit the panic button on the football recruiting trail. Um, And then a lot more going on in the NIL space is Josh Heifel and Hunter Bador and the ball Club are heading to the White House in Washington, D.C. to lobby on NIL, so a lot to definitely unpack. But first off, we do the same thing every week. Drew, how are you doing, my guy?
1: Can't complain, man. Can't complain. A lot of stuff to discuss and recap, Um, especially the uh, NCAA's committee uh, about giving Southern Miss the uh, hosting bid over Tennessee. We'll obviously discuss about that later on the show, especially when Logan comes in. But um, as you said, a lot happening in the recruiting front with football, a lot with NIL. Um, and, you know, it's interesting today, not just in, not just Hunter Perdeur and Heifel, but, you know, Nick Saban and the SEC is also there as well at the same time, you know, talking about getting federal regulations. So it's going to be interesting on what happens on that front. I'm sure you could be able to give all of us a little bit more good detail explanation on what's happening in that end. But, uh, yeah, the grand scheme of things, dude, I, I can't complain one bit.
0: I mean, obviously not, man. I think last week, you know, we're going to dive into baseball with Logan later. But last week, we all had a lot of confidence in the Vols, you know, getting, you know, in a really tough regional matchup, uh, taking care of Clemson, beating Charlotte twice to see that they're now supers bound. We're going to cover that later. Um, A lot to look forward to and how the Vols, you know, got kind of unlucky with the hosting stuff. Um, everyone, you know, you're talking about the past recruiting weekend. are going to dive into some football first. They're like, oh, you want to talk about, you know, Spire sports. Well, what'd they do this weekend when, you know, Tennessee didn't have the best recruiting trail and really, you know, three guys, three top recruits on Tennessee's board some not even on the top of Tennessee's board. Realistically, I think the real, the most hurting one would be, you know, four-star edge Cameron Fountain, who seemed like that'd be a, a really high vol lean, after the 865 live event, he ends up committing to USC and the Trojans after a trip out to LA. And then you had, you know, Bryant Wesco, the five star wide receiver that came off the board committing to Clemson, followed by five star linebacker Sammy Brown. In my opinion, those two weren't very high on the Vols board. I mean, they were, but it was going to be a lot more major work. Tennessee's sitting a lot well uh, with a lot of other top prospects, but those two, not really concerning. Cameron Fountain, in my opinion, you know, a guy that seemed like he had his mind made up. Tennessee trending really well, does commit to the Trojans. Where does the balls go? I'm here to say, let's not hit the panic button because Drew, for the last few weeks, when we talk about, you know, Josh hype in the 2024 class and you know where they sit with top targets, we've you know gone down a list of every position, including edge rusher, especially where you know Cameron Fountain was, and saw how many guys Tennessee does sit well, you know, with blue chip prospects. And I think in this you know day and age of how we talked about NIL and what law club is doing you know Tennessee's going to be able to build that relationship and how the staff has you know been able to go in depth here and there having these events where A65 is not about you know talking football it's more about you know genuinity and you know meeting them as a person I think that's going to go a long way there's a long way until December and May you know signing day and when this class is going to be completed and uh, just you know take a deep breath guys take a little deep breath Josh Hypo in you know Tennessee got a long way to go but this class still
1: looks you know very much to be in the top five at the end of it yeah i mean i i couldn't agree more especially with like samuel brown dude like as much as i you know i would love for us to have been able to pull that off you know because i think he's a very talented linebacker and i think in my opinion i think he's going to be a day one starter um regardless if he winds up at clemson or if he winds up potentially later on down the road at georgia but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we're still in the hunt for a lot of, you know, top prospects, especially Mike Matthews and Ryan Wingo, who, in my opinion, I know that we lost, you know, a decommit wide receiver earlier this week, too. But those yeah, are the still, you know, those are still the two main guys, you know, that we have, in my opinion, you can tell me if I'm wrong in this, like, within top of the board. And those are two guys, especially uh, especially Mike Matthews, can make it an immediate impact, you know. So, I think I don't think we should hit the panic button yet. You know, it's June. It's literally fucking June. We still got six months left when it comes to recruiting. Anything can happen. I mean, any of these guys that we just talked about um, earlier, I mean, they could even flip to wind up being with us at the end of the season. Like, it's an anything goes, you know. So, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I wouldn't put too much, you know, stock on it. It is, I can understand the argument on being frustrated about hype on the staff on certain cases, not able to get it done on certain recruits. I get that. I think it could be somewhat valid of an argument. But in the grand scheme of things, we're still in a very good position. And you shouldn't really look in too much within the top ten rankings especially because that will fluctuate tremendously within the next four to five months. Oh, yeah. And, like, man, like, you get it perfectly. It's easy
0: to look at guys, you know, that came off the board like Sammy Brown and, you know, Bryant Wesco that were kind of, you know, not at top Tennessee's board, but you mentioned it perfectly. Tennessee's top targets, you know, Ryan Wingo, Mike Matthews, playing that out well, sitting well at the top of their position. You got Edric Stewart, uh, who is, you know, the number one edge prospect in the class. That was at the 615 live event and the 8651. Following up, you know, wearing a Tennessee sweatshirt, Tennessee trending there. You still got Jordan Ross. And you look at these positions, you know, just looking at the edge position, the wide receiver position, those names that came off the board and with the relationships that Tennessee still sits in. I mean, yeah, who would not want, five-star linebacker, Sammy Brown. I understand that he's going to be a tremendous player, but Tennessee with their top prospects, they built relationships with four-star linebacker, Tylen Singleton, four-star linebacker, in-state guy, Edwin Spillman. And when you look at those guys, they've been building those relationships with for the last six months and where they stand with those prospects. I think it's, it's easy to look at those top names come off the board early right now, but the guys that Tennessee's been building these relationships with is definitely going to go a long way. And just to, I think, this june and july it has not been that well you know so far from the fans perspective but i think it's going to be really really good months for tennessee and their recruiting uh you know guys coming off the board like boo carter announcing in june 17th tennessee's still trying to battle michigan there you know where does boo carter want to end up does he want to play wide receiver in college does he want to play db i think that'll very much go down into to the wire and his decision i mean if you would have asked me we we're like oh boo carter's a lock in this class but it's all about the fits man and to see the staff, you know, be able to move all around. Coming out of these weekends with their top guys like Ronan O'Connell and, you know, uh, Satterwhite, who both visited Clemson this past weekend, still coming out safe there, getting those guys back on campus. The guys that Tennessee wants and they've been building relationships with, I think, are really there. And it's easy to look at Sammy Brown and Bryant Wesco, who Tennessee was trying to gain traction with and get back into the hunt. There's a lot between, you know, training and leading and recruitment, especially in this day and age of
1: college football. Yeah. No, I mean a thousand percent. I am like a little bit curious, um you know, with, with Big Carter committing uh this what, next Saturday? I think yeah, it's on the 17th. Yeah, next Saturday. Ten
2: days.
1: I believe if you, you can mistake me if I'm wrong, uh Deion Sanders, he's gonna be there, right? When he commits. Is that I've read something about I know that Boo that is he,
0: committing in New York City. I have not seen the thing about Deion Sanders. So but Boo has visited Colorado multiple times since Deion Sanders has been the head coach of Colorado. And I think that's the kind of prospect that Boo Carter, you never, you know, who has been a Tennessee lock, quote unquote, to most people all this time. Seeing right. Michigan get back in trying to promise him a wide receiver spot. Boo Carter, does he want to play offense? Where does he know? I would not be surprised. If, you know, even if he does commit, if it does not go in Tennessee's favor after the latest traction of that, if, you know, Boo Carter, you know, his recruitment isn't going down to the wire. Uh, a lot going on, you know, from Boo Carter that he's had to claw back from in his high school. Now, you know, at Bradley Central, leaving Chattanooga, he's up in Knox. So going to be interesting to how his senior year plays out. A guy that's been to multiple high schools, you know how this kind of goes. And not even trying to diss <clears throat> on the kid. You've just seen the trends in these kind of recruitments before and I'm really interested to see that. You know, I think that's a guy, you mentioned Deion Sanders, that a guy that could get a phone call from a guy like Dion and, you know, change things up. Tennessee, yeah. I, I like where they sit. It's 50-50 in my opinion right now with Michigan, depending on which side of the ball, you know, he wants to play on. And I think it's just
1: – it's hard, but, you know,
0: it is I what mean, it is, man. It's, it's pretty, one-on-one. It's,
1: it's like what we said earlier, like with some of the other guys that committed last Like I wouldn't panic about it yet, but the one thing I think that is – preventing from us being a total block in this case is the fact that Michigan's willing to have him play at wide out as opposed to Literally, us. And it. it's not, it's not because he can't play wide receiver at Tennessee. It's just realistically, if we're going to be honest, like he's Willie Martinez and Tim Banks, one of them. Yeah. I mean, he has Josh more, Hype. more of an opportunity to be immediate impact to defensive back here than he does as a wide out. And that's just, that's just because of the design of our offense and the type of guys that we're recruiting after as well. So I mean it's uh it's gonna be interesting. It it is, I mean, I don't know if it's true. It's just, like I said, something I read on Volquest. It could very easily possibly be a downloaded. lot, you know. But if it is true that Deion Sanders is gonna be there when he commits, that is concerning. I mean, that's just I'm just gonna be quite frank. Like that's that's a little bit odd and a little bit concerning on my end, uh, when it comes to him possibly committing to us, you know. So
0: and, I, I mean, it makes perfect sense because when you look at Tennessee's offensive board, but, yeah, you know, Bryant Wesco and TJ Moore, they came to Clemson. Like we said earlier, they're further down Tennessee's board than most people look like. You look at like Ryan Wingo, uh, Mike Matthews, Amari Jefferson, in-state guy. I think Tennessee's sitting well with those three guys still to this day and I think probably even leads for all three. And then you look at the running back position, Tennessee having a commit from Peyton Lewis, still in it for Dalen Hill and Braylon Russell, the two bigger backs. Tennessee going to take those two backs. And I think it's easy to look at those positions and understand why they kind of prioritize Boo Carter on defense. And, you know, obviously for this guy that's been talked about for the like two or three years, Tennessee fans getting to know him, you could even say it would be this kind of class as Walter Nolan or, you know, some kind some kind of guy like that where a top in-state <clears throat> guy, if it doesn't go the ball's way, uh, just to, you know, have a different kind of reaction. I, I still think that overall that Tennessee's, you know, going to have these final conversations and mm-hmm. probably pull out the commitment just because um, it's hard for a prospect to understand that's gonna what's going to be best for him. It's definitely going to be a long recruitment. <laughs> There's definitely, you know, Michigan and, you know, Colorado now to look involved, but it is what it is, man. Like you said, it goes down to the wire in this day and age. And I think, you know, Tennessee, they're going to recruit
1: Boo as a DB. That's just what it is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, one thing I do want to discuss to you about, because it, it kind of pins down a little bit to NIL, um, there's been a, you know news today in regards to the new NCAA football game that's coming out next year about okay. some players already, as ridiculous as it is, on potentially um, holding out because of what the compensation may potentially be towards the players that will be added into the game. I think I think currently the number is estimated to be around about five hundred dollars per player that is added. And yeah, they the were game. like, "Nah." What is your thoughts on this? I'll be honest. In my opinion, I think it's stupid. I think I just want the damn game. So, yeah. like, if- I mean,
0: me personally, when the if we're talking about the game in general, man, let's not act like you know we weren't making creative rosters in general, just you know filling our needs. But I, I understand. I mean, it depends on what kind of athlete you are, especially of how much nil you do have. If you're like the, like the college athlete. Getting used to NIO 500 bucks, man. I mean, I understand that you're going to be in a game that you played your whole childhood. When you're like a top prospect, like let's say you know, Joe Milton's only going to get $500 or something like that, I think that would make us feel some type of way, you know, but Joe Milton probably deserving more than $500 just for his name to be in a game. Uh, when you think about it being one of our guys, so I mean, this is going to be like a long way, but like we talked about it, what it could be, you know getting nil this serious especially when it comes to a video game and your name image and likeness a lot of these guys aren't promoting themselves to make it in the real retro space so this is their one, like you know an opportunity they can capitalize on uh just you know to have it to where we're at a point where we have a players association drew in college sports uh i basically think that says enough it's going to be a whirlpool of trying to get it done it could probably even put this game in jeopardy for being real uh with how how far in development it is and expecting it to come out you know, next summer. So, it, it's weird, yeah. man. But I, at the same time, I understand it because I think guys like our guys. Of course, I'm going to be fucking biased.
1: I mean, the way I kind of look at it, as well is like it, it kind of seems I don't know if petty is the right word, but a bit ridiculous in the sense that, like, you know, if you if you're a guy like Joe Milton, for example, or Caleb Williams, where you're easily making six, seven figures off nil alone. You know what I mean? Like, All you're right, making yeah. you're making that much money. Are you? are you really going to be that petty on getting $500 from a video game where you're going to be in that video game for life, like forever, as long as that game exists, you're in it, you know? And this is something like where you talk, you hear about from former players back in the day where they said, we just played our entire lives, not to only just play college football, but be in that game where it just even has our number. It doesn't even have our name. It doesn't have all of our top accessories that we wear just to have our number because we know that's us. And, I think it, you know, I think this is like one of the negative thoughts or parts of NIL, which is the fact that you're going to have scenarios like this where, where kids are going to like, they're going to try to take as much as they possibly can, you know, and when it comes to this, they're going to try to make as much as they possibly can when it comes to the video game. And I think it's losing the grand, the grand scheme of things or the bigger picture, more or less on this one. Um, just kind of how
0: like the vol club is already in white house and like, you know, Washington DC lobbying right now at the Capitol. Um, I mean, when it comes down to the, you know, the NCAA, I I can imagine it reaching that point where it goes federal and it's just, you know, somewhere where you don't want it to be and have to get to the point where it's going to reach. But in the retrospect of where we are now, it's going to be there regardless. So, I mean, it's weird to see how it all plays out, but the people like who it's in their hands to have that kind of major decision. So, I mean, it goes down to lobbying and seeing how you can get that, like what we're doing now. But I, can, I can't I can just imagine, like you look at these new guys, especially from the 2023 class and above where you had guys like Arch Manning, Nico, where their NIL evaluations are, you know, millions of dollars already um, coming into a, a retrospect in a world where instead yeah. in the game is coming back
1: now. So it's, it truly really is. That, Thank God it's not my job. Oh, thousand percent, thousand percent, no doubt about it, but. To move on, shift little topics. Um, Positive. um, We finally can think positive. We got, you know, one of our boys over here, Logan Quentin, finally on. Logan, what is happening? How's it going? What is up, fellas? Uh,
2: Glad to be back in Knoxville and trying to just rest and gear up for what's going to be a fantastic super regional. Um, I was hoping, like the rest of us, that we would be able to host a super here in Knoxville. But uh, nonetheless, I'm still excited for it.
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, I think we're all quite impressed from how well we played last weekend, especially in that Clemson game on Saturday. Um, In my opinion, I know a lot of people talk about how Drew Gilbert's, you know, incredible grand slam walk-off home run. In my opinion, I think Zane Ditton's homer on taking that lead at the top of the ninth is a better moment and you know with the bigger picture for sure but to go transition over Logan we got to talk about the NCAA committee's decision on having the super regional in Hadesburg over Knoxville uh I'm sure you're just like how me and Brando are just dumbfounded shocked don't quite understand it but maybe you could give a better explanation on why the NCAA kind of like swayed over towards Southern Misses argument on hosting it over Tennessee
2: yeah you know I'm not surprised um i You know, when I hopped on um, with some of the fan run guys uh, over the weekend and this week, I said, you know, uh, one of the things that I pointed out, and this is something that I looked at weeks ago, because I felt like this was going to come to fruition where similar seeds meet or, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but there's a lot of balance in the competition right now across college baseball. And we were, Tennessee was kind of in that mix. Are we going to be one seed? Are we going to be a two seed? And so that that started to rack my brain (laughs) a little bit. And um, historically, uh, when I look back at it, the language that the NCAA has, which is not much when it comes to this situation, um, it's very open ended and it's open for interpretation. And it it does hit on a few things that they should look at, which is uh, capacity, both the, the venue and the city or town that's hosting Um, So location is in there in the mix and capacity and also weather, which that's, (laughs) that may come to play this weekend. But um, I felt like the two venues were comparable. Um, You know, Southern Miss can, uh, they have the edge in terms of being able to get more people in the actual confines of the stadium. You know, <laughs> they have the advantage to of that berm out there where they can just tell people, Hey, standing room only, just go sit on the berm, stand, whatever you got to do. Um, it, it's not so spacious at Lindsay Nelson as, as you guys have probably noticed. Uh, but Lindsay Nelson, they had the upper hand in that, you could sell i don't know what was in the proposal but i if i was danny white i'd be trying to sell everything block party um yes. this is we're yeah. not just a college town we're a city we, we can we can host this thing because of our upper hand is all the hotels and everything else that you know if people want to travel here we'll welcome them we can we can handle it and i thought that would be the edge for tennessee uh it didn't come to fruition um th- they are not they do not have to measure resumes. They they probably did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they felt like the two venues were a coin flip and said, "Hey, let's just match up resumes here." And both teams have a little bit of an argument. Uh, I would still give the upper hand to Tennessee in that regard. Um, but you know, it's there's nothing saying that uh, that the committee <laughs> has to measure the resumes, and you know, really, it doesn't come into to affect that, that often. Like I said, it, it, this is kind of rare, but I think going forward, the committee, the NCAA, uh, they need to figure something out because I think as, as the sport grows in popularity um, and as competition tightens up with, with NIL and the transfer portal and everything like that, you're going to see more hmm. often uh, uh whether it's a men major or an SEC team and an ACC team, a couple of two seeds going at it and both have comparable, uh, venues. Uh, I'm not asking for transparency, just a little bit more transparency, uh, as far as the criteria is concerned. Uh, cause I think obviously when it comes to regionals, you have to, they're supposed to geographically, um, do that and arrange those regionals the best they can. But then when it gets to supers, uh, Yeah, first off, both schools need to submit proposals. Both proposals need to be correct and accurate and valid. But after that, maybe uh, reveal the rankings of of the two seeds or or something. Um, But, yeah, it it sucks. It's a tough one, but it's a big draw. It's a huge draw. Hattiesburg, those people down there are crazy about their baseball, and it's going to be one heck of an atmosphere.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things – you know, honestly, probably one of the reasons why we're about to spend a lot of money towards Lindsey Nelson Stadiums, you know, adding capacity and things like that, because with the future reservations that we're going to have, I think that would have been now, if we had that already, would have been the swaying factor on them winding up hosting it. But yeah. I think regardless, though, um, as frustrating as it is, I you know, I actually have more confidence in a sense of this team playing on the road And playing a chip on their shoulders, kind of like how they did last weekend, especially in Charlotte and Clemson, um, and being able to get the job done over there, as opposed to having all that pressure on coming back home in Knoxville and hosting a super regional. So, it sucks, uh, you know, but it's it's the NCAA committee for you. That's just the NCAA as a whole in general. So, it's not really too surprising on them coming with that final verdict. Yeah,
2: and – You touched on it. I meant to uh, hit on that, uh, the bias that can creep in in that situation. There's a couple of seats on on the committee uh, this year that have connections to Southern Miss. So, that's (laughs) (laughs) – Yeah.
0: So, Logan, what are we getting ourselves into with Southern Miss? Because I've been doing the back and forth, you know, on Twitter, not just obviously how good of a baseball team (laughs) and what kind of season they've had, but being in their environment. Tennessee, obviously the ticket allotment is not really in our favor with upwards, barely north of 600. And then, you know, kind of hearing about either guys talking about how our, our bullpen isn't going to see the light of day with the way their stadium is being able to be like right there causing hell um, going into a toxic environment. It's not like, you know, guys are coming to Lindsey you Nelson. Know, we're going there in supers where obviously they're riled up. They have a coach on their way out, everything going their way. What is Tennessee kind of, you know, going into their house? How, how do you see
2: this kind of playing out? Uh, so, I'll take care of the, the first part of that first. Um, you hit on the ticket allotment for UT. I have more of a problem with how they handled that situation than the actual committee itself because uh, <clears> to <throat> have that low of an allotment, um, and, and then they're, you know, season ticket holders uh, were sent an email saying uh, that they're going to do it by donor rank, which is fine. Um, but the problem with that is what happened was. Uh, UT along with I, I think there were some other platforms that released um, the link t- to the public earlier this morning. I'm sure you guys saw um, that contradicted things and what the email said, because the email was saying season ticket holders for UT, you know, the deadline to request this was at the, <laughs> end of the day. Well, those folks aren't sitting around thinking, oh, they're just going to re- randomly release this link to the public for tickets uh you know before that surely not well they did and and then those season ticket holders ended up getting um an email you know, one way or the other this evening uh letting them know yes you got it no you didn't um the donor ranks fine with me it's just uh how you know season ticket holders need to have priority over just the general public uh especially when you're just going to throw it up on social media randomly with with no Precursor, um, that was just wild, and I, I'm not—I don't know anybody that got tickets based on that link. That was, uh, gosh, I don't know if there were a hundred tickets. I don't even know if that link worked. I never saw anybody on social media, you know, respond or, or retweet that tweet and said, "Yeah, I scored a ticket." Every one of them was saying, "What the heck? It's not working." I don't, you know, I go into purchase and it says this. <laughs> It's crazy, man. Just let a let a nice little portion at, of the opposite fan base um, be able to have their way with tickets, at least a little bit, and make it more economical. But I'll end that tirade, and you know, t- touch on the uh, the venue and uh, where Tennessee has the edge. And I think I kind of like the narrative going on right now, because you, you mentioned it, this team knows what their road record was this year. <laughs> and sure. uh, they went into Clemson and went 3-0 and in that region, which was a really tough regional. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. that, that Clemson is one of the best teams in the country. And the Vols walked out of that region uh, 3-0. and It was a really good environment. And the guys come back to Knoxville thinking, man, like, we have a shot – to host a super here and they're chomping at the bit just to play at Lindsey Nelson one more time and it doesn't happen. Yeah. I think with what this team has going on, that is probably the worst thing you can do for them. If you're a detractor, like that's, I think it's going to be fuel to the fire. I think uh, this team is progressing in a lot of right areas at the right time, playing a lot of good baseball. But I think more importantly, coming out of Clemson, that clubhouse is probably the best it's ever been in in terms of chemistry and unity, and uh, they're they're dealt with a tall task, but just based on the factors of what happened last weekend and the way they played, and, uh, you know, they're going to wear it with a chip on their shoulder going down there to Hattiesburg, and, you know, it's going to be tough. This this Southern Miss team, like you said, the the head coach uh, Scott Berry is on his way out, And uh, so that just, uh, all kinds of attachments here uh, for this to be a tough, tough out for the Vols. But, you know, I got a lot of confidence based on what I saw last weekend.
0: I mean, yeah, for sure. And, you know, obviously seeing the pitching rotation, I think everyone can agree that that Clemson game where we went 15 innings, the decision to leave, you know, Chase Burndon as long as we did. Uh, Just kind of having that confidence and being able to get out of it. I mean, whoever came out of that game, was obviously in good shape for the next day. Uh, luckily, it being us going 3-0, and uh, Clemson having to wake up the next morning playing Charlotte and then playing Charlotte in the, the, the regional championship. I think it all went Tennessee's way. But like you said, clicking at the right time, found out a lot, uh, seeing guys, you know, being able to find the ball and then fixing the little things, you know, whether it was, you know, being able to turn those double plays or just having the awareness, I thought that was, you know, super. But going into, you know, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, it's going to be a, a crazy environment. Obviously, they're toxic. They're fired up. They're going to be giving us so just like we're, you know, disappointed in us not hosting. They're going to try to try to use that to their advantage. I just think it's a crazy matchup. I know that obviously we were in Clemson's house. They were able to have their way with our guys if they wanted to. I just want to see how it does feel the fire, because in my opinion, this coaching staff is also the most locked in I've seen them being able to see Tony Vitello, the way they were able to, you know, use the replays or going out there and having their way, the adjustments they made, uh, just being locked in this team.
1: Like I said, they're locked in, Drew. Uh, I mean, they're they're playing the best baseball they've been playing all season. You know, the one big standout moment for me is like, and there were several last weekend especially, you know, whether it was Christian Moore just playing with his hair on fire, you know, on on Sunday, or if it was Zane didn't hit that, you know, four-run you know four run homer to take the lead. My biggest thing is just how impressive the bullpen's been, especially Chase Burns and Sylph Halverson, you know, just – playing just complete resiliency on the, from them, and not to mention guys like Andrew Lindsey and Drew Beam especially have just been lights out all weekend, you know, just been just, not, like, unstoppable, you know. So, and I think that was the biggest concern for us was really going, in, you know, to last weekend was can our bullpen really hold up, you know, and give us the opportunity on a consistent game-to-game basis and allow our guys to win. And they've definitely proved that. And our, you know, in our batting order, I think, in my opinion, I think, Vitell has hit it on the dime, you know, Christian Moore, Zane Denton, Griffin Merritt, you know, even Malia Huna has been hitting well recently too. So, I mean, everyone's just playing their best baseball this season. And it's kind of like one of those things that we talked about a month ago. It's like, you know, like a lot of teams the last couple of years, whether it was Ole Miss or Mississippi State, were like, you know, they really started peaking near the end of the season into that tournament going into regionals. And that's what you really, really need, you know, to make that far, you know, progress in the tournament but as opposed to being the top dog the entire season so i can't complain too much i think it's you know this weekend's going to be interesting and we'll definitely talk about more of our predictions coming up here soon um southern miss has got a damn good bullpen and their ace is in my opinion one of the best pitchers in all the country in all of america so but with the way that we're playing i don't i don't know with the remaining teams that are available right now if there's a team that could the way we're playing baseball right now, if they could beat us. I mean, I, just being honest, maybe LSU, but, like, other than that, like, I would feel confidence on playing teams like South Carolina or Florida or especially Oregon or Oral Roberts or, you know, even Texas and Stanford as well. I yeah, uh,
2: I, I think that uh, in terms of betting odds, uh, you know, I've seen Tennessee anywhere, you know, as long as 18-1 to 1 odds in the field that we have now, and I think that's just tremendous value and uh, this is, I, I'll stand by this. It's the deepest and best pitching staff. I, I wouldn't want any other pitching staff going into Supers, going into Omaha in the country. I mean, sure, Wake is at the top of the leaderboard in a lot of categories. Uh, but depth, as we've seen, if you watched Hoover, uh, those two teams, <laughs> uh, you know, Vandy and A&M were just scrapping and clawing just that, man, are we going to have to like holler at the hot dog guy to come out here and finish this? Cause, and then we've, we've seen it in regionals uh, that you have to go way deep down your roster and you have to (laughs) really the game planning for that in terms of innings, especially if you ended up, you know, this past weekend, if you were a team that ended up playing on a Monday, uh, you could run into a lot of trouble. And, and Tennessee has that edge in terms of they've got guys way down the line that have put, put in really good innings, and they've got really good stuff. That And like you said, it starts at the top, though, with, with Burns and Halverson. Uh, what amazing performance by him as well in that same ball ballgame. Um, it starts with those guys to kind of set the tone. And I, I'm impressed with some of the game planning that I saw in terms of the pitching side. Their adjustments being made or, or were made last um last weekend in terms of how those guys pitched and how Frank Anderson called the game. I think that's key going forward because we saw it. Burns yeah. uh just was lighting them up with his breaking stuff. Yeah, and and um, Drew Beam. Drew Beam, that's the best I've seen his breaking pitches all year. And there, and it was more often, right? It was it's like a total flip of what those guys have done all year, which is fastball heavy. And, um, you know, we see more of that. And also if we see the back end of the bullpen be able to come in and put in innings like they have all year, it's just an edge that nobody else has in the field. Uh, sure. LSU with the offense or South Carolina with the offense, TCU. I mean, their offense was just insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. out of this world right. last weekend, but, the end of the day, it's going to come down to pitching. And speaking of, this Southern Miss squad, you touched on it, Drew. Uh, Tanner Hall, uh, he's one of the best in the country. Uh, This, in my opinion, Southern Miss had the uh, second-best pitching staff in the country last season, uh, only to Tennessee. Uh, They lost some guys off of that group, uh, particularly Hurston Waldrop, who who is now at Florida. Uh, But Tanner Hall's there, and a lot of other guys have stepped up. It's still phenomenal. I think their um, their pitching coach, Kristen Ostrander, I think he's next in line for that head coach gig. He's been there since 18, and he's the only coach in Conference USA to uh, win assistant coach of the year twice, uh, multiple times. And I think in order for them to keep things going, that's been kind of their MO of late in recent years is having really, really good pitching and for a mid-major, they really stick out in terms of that that category. And they're, they're top 20 in strikeouts per nine. They're top 20 in whip. And that bodes well this time of year, uh, whether it's having success in Supers or in Omaha. That indicates those teams that are in the top 20 or 30 of both, those teams are going to have success more often than not. Um, the numbers have proven that. And it's not so much – Uh, It's nice to see TCU as hot as they were last weekend. Um, Sure, they could keep it up, but you don't have to have uh, the number one offense in in the country to win Omaha. It it starts and ends with pitching because by the time you make it to Omaha, there's eight teams left and they're not there by accident. It's because they've gotten hot at the right time. Their bats have gotten hot or they're just all around a good club offensively and they can – they can hit around and keep the lineup turning. But either way, like I said, the the eliminators are going to come from the pitching mound. I mean,
0: Drew, I was going to say, like, obviously going into this series, uh, they're pitching, you know, Southern Miss having a great bullpen. We talked about it last week, what Tennessee's, like, threshold was. And we said, you know, if, you know, our pitching, you know, doesn't allow more than four to five runs in each game, which their max was five against Clemson, that we had confidence that Tennessee could go out there and win any game. And I kind of feel the same way going into this series. If they can kind of limit, you know, Southern, Southern Miss's offense, I, I just it's kind of hard to see Tennessee going in there and kind of losing. And I think obviously it starts with pitching, but how it shows up in the supers in their environment, I mean, I'm just excited to see.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess this transitions to our next topic is what our predictions are for this weekend with the Southern Miss matchup. I mean, in my opinion, it really all boils down to pitching. Um, my big thing too is that you know. I mean, you can tell me if I'm going to be wrong on this slogan. I think they're going to wind up pitching Tanner Hall on Saturday in that game one. Um, I think the biggest factor for Tennessee is try to get him to throw as many pitches as possible in regards of making each batter wind up at least trying to get that count alive, you know, get six, seven, eight, nine pitches each batter. Because so, I mean, this is a guy last weekend threw over 120 pitches on Saturday, I believe, and then wind up on Monday playing the first two innings as well for that game three. So, he's yep. got. Guy- be a hundred percent. He's going to be worn out, and I think this is going to play into Tennessee's favor. You know, they do have a couple of other good pitchers, including Justin Storm and Billy Oldham as well. But as a general whole, like outside of you know Tanner Hall and and Justin Storm, like their bullpen overall has an ERA of four point four nine, which is pretty much pretty similar to like what Charlotte and Clemson was last weekend as well. So. I think just winding and grinding their starters and their two aces is going to be a huge factor for them. And if they could just wind up just, you know, even getting three or four runs on Saturday, I think they got this series in the bag. And I think two wins, you know, for Saturday and Sunday should be the expectation for this team.
2: Yeah, I think that ultimately Tennessee can walk away. Uh, I, it may take uh, It may take three games, but I think at the end of the day, Tennessee gets it done – they're gonna to have to come in, like I mentioned. They're gonna to have to come into Pete Taylor Park with the same conviction that they they went into Clemson with, and, and the same focus um, because this is an older bunch. The Southern Miss club, they're they've got a lot of older guys on that lineup, and they got some depth. You know, Clemson didn't really have a lot of depth in terms of the lineup, um, but Southern Miss does. Um, and yeah, there's some pitchers to worry about, but that was key, Drew. I mean, just to Any way you can get that pitch count up, especially when Tanner Hall is out there, will be key. I do agree with you. I think if I had to guess, it would be Saturday. Um, I've mentioned a couple of things they can do. Just because their staff is so good, Mm -hmm. um, if they wanted to get cute, they could say, well, we'll just bring him out of the pen a couple of times. Uh, But I don't think – this guy is – he's your lead horse and he reminds me a lot in a lot of ways in terms of um, the way his usage and just his mentality on the mound. He reminds me of Dylan DeLucia last year, um, one of Ole Miss's pitchers who would, he. I would have to go back and look, but just during the regular season, he had like six or seven starts in a row, all over a hundred pitches. And then in the postseason, they had to use him like crazy. And, that's one of the keys as to why I'll miss one is cuz his arm didn't fall off you know <laughs> and and so he reminds me a lot of that and he has that same mentality so yeah i do expect him to go saturday it's going to be no later than sunday um and ultimately you know from what what we saw from chase burns drew beam especially dolander uh It was the same theme for him. It was just a different result. He didn't have his best stuff, but he pitched his butt off, and he just managed that game the best he could. Um, I'm still expecting we see a little glimpse of that start he had against (laughs) South Carolina because if we do, with this lineup playing like they are coming out of last weekend, if if Dolander Lander (laughs) uh, shows any signs of that outing from Columbia – there's nothing I really any offense in the country can do, so that's key. Another Dolander start um, that we can get, similar to that, what we saw against the Gamecocks. Uh, but I expect Andrew Lindsey and Seth Halverson to go out there and perform. They've just been so consistent, they're not going to get the pub that Dolander and Burns do. Um, they don't have the stuff, they don't have the draft stock but those two are bulldogs and they are so focused on getting an out by any means possible. And that's where the key is. I I think this lineup will keep things going. Um, it it was, even though they were up against Caden Grice, um, one of the best athletes, one of the best pitchers in the country, um, they found a way. They just kept battling, did not get discouraged. They just took it pitch by pitch. And the next thing you know, Zane Denton extended the game. Um, I'm going to expect a little more offense this weekend because from what I saw last weekend, um, good things are to come. And I think with Blake Burke in that's particular, true. he's yeah, from what I saw. You know, we've all know we all know he struggled towards the end of the year. And what I saw last weekend, he was taking that up the middle approach. He he got some singles right up the middle, but also there was some outs, some good defensive plays. Near or up the middle, and normally when you see that hitters taking that up the middle approach after they're struggling or during their struggles, and they're getting a lot of contact that way, normally a breakout is near. And so I'm I'm waiting for that because he's due, and, and from what I saw from him last weekend, when they pinch ran for him, you know they pinched Ethan Payne uh, at towards uh, you know late in that the Clemson game. He went into the dugout, and then it was like the next half inning. I think um, I saw a guy running out to the Tennessee bullpen, and I'm like, "Whoa, what in the world is there? Some kind of pitching situation going on?" It was Blake Burke running out to the bullpen, and he was getting in guys' ears and, and you know, kind of grabbing grabbing dudes by the collar in a good way, you know, um, hyping them up and getting them motivated. I love seeing that. That's and, and so I think, like I said, that this clubhouse is intact. They're they're really hot and the vibes are good right now. And it's it's a dangerous, dangerous bunch uh, heading down to Hattiesburg. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Blake Berg's time has come in. It's
0: kind of like how they did Jordan Beck last year when they really just they knew how good he was, so they wouldn't give him like you know the best thing. They're obviously going to pitch around him, make him kind of struggle. And you're you're seeing the contact now. I, I definitely think. That you know a Burke blast or two might be what this team needs. You know, be like on fire in a toxic environment, especially being in that away environment. If you can kind of get it, like you know, started. You know, Zane did, Blake Burke, Malia Huna, those guys, you know, making those big plays, having those big blasts, getting you know, getting it started. The offense, you know, let's not act like they didn't put up nine runs in that regional championship against a very obviously tired Charlotte team. But the offense, how it was able to come alive when it's alive. Tennessee's getting close to double digits, like.
1: If we can go in there and just take over, on that. yeah. I mean, I think it's like the same thing that we kind of been saying all along is that this team has had the potential to be just as productive offensively as they were last year. You know, I mean, the talent's there. It's just trying to, you know, put the pieces all together for a game. And I think we're finally able to see that now, especially after last weekend. So, I think if you just – even if Burke just starts getting that confidence again, which he seems to have more confidence last weekend, you know, behind the bat, as opposed to the last few weeks especially, uh, I mean, I think that's just going to be, you know, just cherry on top of the cake. So, I'm excited. I mean, you're talking about this as a a lineup especially where over, you know, almost half the guys are batting over 300 as well. So, like, these are guys that can get on base, that can hit the ball, that have been playing well, especially the last four or five weeks. So – it's just, I mean, it's it's a perfect time for this team as well as they're playing. And, I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how it pans out this weekend. Um, one last question for you, Logan. Um, where do you think, what what's the max potential for this team? Are you thinking that a college World Series bid? Do you think winning it all? I mean, this team, I think all three of us can agree the sky's the limit when it comes to their reaching their max potential. But where do you think, the season's going to land and wind up. Yeah, I expect, obviously, I predicted
2: them to win this series. So I expect it to end in Omaha, and they are totally capable of winning it all. I mean, the I talked about it, the deepest pitching staff in the country. That's just an edge no one else has, really. And, um, you know, I just, I just don't see a Tony Vitello team going 0-2 in Omaha again for the you know, the second straight time. And considering the the best team that most of us have laid eyes on in terms of college baseball was last season. They didn't even make it to Omaha. Um I just man, I, I really feel like the tide is turning, so to speak. Um I don't they're it's great value. Like I said, in betting odds, it's great value to go ahead and grab them where they're at. Um but just anything can happen in Omaha. You know, it's such a funny game and it's the, – the brackets are so wacky and everything you have to deal with. Um, I mean, I – it does not surprise me at all that this, if this team uh, goes and takes it all. I, I, I'm i not going to say I expect them to, mm-hmm. but it's uh, – I've really felt all, all along, all season, all this team needed was a little bit of a rally – uh, the, one, the only concern I had was this pitching staff staying healthy. And I told people, numerous people, just let this pitching staff stay healthy, get us in the tournament, and let's see what happens. And I, I think they've got just as good a chance as anybody, including Wake, LSU, Picker School, just as good of odds as anybody.
0: LQ, are you, are you making the trip down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi? I know you, yeah. went, you, had, a, you had a crazy weekend down there in South Carolina. Are you, are you yep. making the trip yep. or is
2: it kind of too expensive? I got I got the SO Club hat on here. That's the closest I've ever been to Brent Musburger. Um, <laughs> uh, the 920 bus will be parked uh, in Knoxville this weekend. I had to made that, make that tough decision today. It uh, just didn't make a whole lot of sense in, in some areas to get down there but uh you know there's there's broader things ahead. One of the, one of my reasons uh, among many is that we're in this for the long haul. It's a 920 mile stretch to Omaha from Knoxville and um Jeez. you know gonna I, I aim for higher. I aim for more. I, I hope that uh, the vols do as well because i'll I'll do everything within my power uh, to make that trip to Omaha. So that, that's what we're going with. I, we're about to see what where the magic is, because uh I gotta say my good charm I felt like was was rubbing off on the team there. Um stood for every inning <laughs> and uh had a great view because we we were up against a rail in, in the outfield and uh was able to see everything and I finally I had to go I had to go pee so bad that finally after 13 I said you know what because the crowd behind us had thinned out, and I didn't, beforehand, it was uh, a matter of losing your spot, there was so many people. So I got a kid, I said, hey kid, hold my spot, (laughs) and I ran as fast as I could, went to go pee, came back, he gave me my spot back, next thing I know, Tennessee's winning in the 14th inning, you know, so I, I, maybe I got some sort of good juju going, but um, hopefully it's not on me because, uh, and I don't think it will be. I think these boys are ready. I think that they they were up against a tall task last week, and they're. I, I think m- mentality wise, like they're ready for anything. They they don't need any luck. They they just want each other because they know they have the baddest dudes in the country.
0: Yeah, I mean, pretty much a walk in your trap to go over your trap scenario. Basically, what Notre Dame came in here and tried to do last or did last year. We're going into you know Southern Miss. A team that's having their best season, their fans are chirping, yeah. They're trying to match our energy, and I just think it's kind of dealing to a perfect scenario where the pitching shows up. But not like even if we can't be there because how they did our tickets, you know, all Twitter is <laughs> going to be going at them until Saturday. So um, just giving them hell, and you know, seeing this team go in there and take over. I think if we can, you know, air that place out, that's already uh, having their coach on their way out, we can make it. You know, a
1: really, really hype environment turn real sad in a game or two. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about y'all too, but like. This, this series just feels different than last year's did going into that Notre Dame series, you know, because we had our struggles, you know, if y'all remember last year against Campbell and Georgia Tech. I mean, I, I personally, I kind of thought we were going to lose that Georgia Tech game, If so I'm going to be completely real. Um, but, you know, it just – it feels like this team just has a whole lot more swagger and confidence going into this series as opposed to last year. And, you know, to an extent, it just – it feels like there's a lot less pressure on this squad, you know, to get that win, get that series, go to Omaha than, you know, than last season where the whole entire national attention was this Tennessee team has to make it. So I think it's going to be interesting um, as kind of like, as Logan, you touched base about it um, earlier today, they're definitely, I think in my opinion, are going to play a ship on their shoulders as far as that disrespect on not getting that super regional bid over Southern Miss And I think that's just going to be a, it's going to be a tremendous advantage for Tennessee in this bullpen, especially. Um, But yeah, Logan, before you go, thanks again so much for coming on. Dude, your insight for baseball is just top notch. uh, In my opinion, there's no one better on Twitter or even sports media, for that matter, uh, on your expertise. Where is the best place for everyone to follow you and, you and your content and all that good stuff? At
2: LDQ Sports on Twitter. Uh, and you can check out the 920 podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on SoundCloud. Uh, most of everywhere where you go to download podcasts, but particularly uh, Spotify and SoundCloud. Um, that that's where you'll find it easiest, uh, and that's where I get the most run from. And, and also, I'd like to mention that uh, I'm now covering and writing for Baseball Prospect Journal. Uh, Dan Zelensky. Uh, That's his site. That's his whole deal. He's been doing this for several years, covering prospects, the MLB draft. He touches on preps, college, pro guys, Um, and I couldn't be happier to be covering for him. And, you know, it just made sense. I'm here here in SEC territory, uh, some of the best baseball you'll ever see in terms of the college and amateur ranks. So, uh, yeah, go check us out there, baseballprospectjournal.com. Uh, you can follow on Twitter at the BP journal. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been one hell of a year. Uh I've been to Hoover, been to Clemson. Obviously I check out the, the guys at Lindsey Nelson, every chance I get, but uh being able to take a bite out of some of the, the best players in the country here in the sec has been really special and feel free to hit me up. Any questions, any, any, thoughts or insight or anything like that hit me up i love to talk ball and you know really especially appreciate you guys
1: having me on here with the atb crew to to chop it up with you about the vols oh yeah no it's always an honor having you come on board and talk a little tennessee baseball and college baseball for us for sure without a doubt
2: no doubt man i appreciate it boys
1: yeah absolutely take it easy my guy Drew, I'm fired up. Bro, I wish it was Saturday. I, I know. You tell me. I wish it was Saturday, 3 o'clock. Get my ass at Yeehaw Brewery over there on Broadway in Knoxville. Oh you are. Uh, get the shenanigans going on. But before I mean, we end the show, though, we got one thing to talk about. And uh, quite a surprise, I think, in my opinion. Um, maybe in your, opinion. your opinion. Maybe a lot of people's opinions. I, Olivia-
0: I, I've been waiting for this to come just because of our CEO, Ronnie, bothering me, texting me weekly about this Ronnie- same thing.
1: Ronnie just being just the guy that he is. Is he coming? Brando, is he coming? I- Have you heard anything about it? Is he coming? <laughs> Olivier Commod committed to Michigan today. So I think, this, I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you, right? My My 10 cents going into this. I don't think it was that too much of a shock. Personally, when he first announced that he was going to go towards the NBA draft, I thought it was kind of foolish. I thought all along this guy was going to go to another school or, worst case scenario, go play overseas. Um, I'm kind of glad that he didn't wind up. I know there was a rumor for a little while, uh, for half a second, that like Kentucky was going to recruit him, which I thought was too good to do. Um, I'm glad that was not the case. Um, Same with Julian Phillips. As for now, because he wound up going to the NBA draft, too. But I was very surprised that it was Michigan, West Virginia, and Baylor, you know, national champions from three years ago, were actually the top three schools that he was going to wind up going to with him eventually, you know, evidently going to commit to Jawan Howard's Wolverine program. So, I mean, Brando, what is, what is the one word that you could describe Kamwa's career here at Tennessee? When you look at his stats from last season, he – was our second leading scorer? As hard as that sounds to believe, with 10.8 points a game, two assists, 51% from the field, 33% from the three-point line. I think altogether in his career he averaged a little bit over about seven and a half eight points a game. But what is the one word that you would describe uh, Olivier Kamwa's time here at Rocky Top?
0: Jesus, one word. Oh my God! I I'm like, as soon as you said one word, I was trying to think of one word because like I. Don't, I don't know, man. Like,
1: do you want me to start off for you? Because I'll be more. Yeah, attentive. go ahead. You go first. Inconsistent. If I'll, this man I was, was expected, this man was Mister Inconsistent. If there was ever was an individual that played basketball here, and it's not, in my opinion, it's not a, a disrespect towards him because when he did commit here and did sign for us, he was only a three star out of Finland, I don't think a lot of us had that, like, very high of expectation for him to wind up being the next Grant Williams. Yeah. But my problem was, was that, you know, Barnes had that hype, gave that hype towards him over the years, saying that he could transform into a player like Grant Williams. And I think the most frustrating part about it was that we saw that, you know, especially last year in that Texas game Indeed. where he had 30 points just was – you know, he was just playing possessed. I mean, just absolutely on fire, unbelievable. And that Duke game the second round. And in my opinion, that Duke game performance that he had was one of the best performances that we've ever had I in our seen, program. History. Yeah, I mean, he I, I don't think he missed a basket. Like I literally don't think he missed a single basket that entire in that entire game. I think he was literally eight for eight or nine for nine. It was something absurd. But then you had the very next performances where literally year, he'd be two points zero points four points six points it was just he had these spurs of brilliance and he looked like there was a player there you know and then he just never was able to string it out for two or three four games at a time and that's why for me i think inconsistent would be the perfect word to describe Kamwa's tenure here at tennessee he's not a bad player i think we can all agree that there is the potential that he could wind up being an, Maybe like a six day contract NBA player, maybe at one point getting one or two appearances, you know, in an NBA game. Jesus, because he for, has that talent. Gone for he's been committed to Michigan for not even 24 hours. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. He's been, he's been, Holy he's been shit. in my opinion, he was gone after that FAU game. If we're gonna, be I right. mean, yeah, I, I think but, I, I guess if I, I don't want to say, I mean, not
0: inconsistent, but I'd say expected not only because let's be real, like it took him a few years to get going, obviously, but this year. You know, coming back from that nasty, nasty foot injury, uh, I guess really you didn't expect it from him. And then seeing how he did kind of rise to the occasion, Rick Barnes, you know, still get to that. Uh, obviously, in this kind of offense, how much that limited him, we won't find out until we see him play ball at Michigan. But, I mean, he's going back to the Texas and Duke games, like you mentioned, seeing those flashes, Olivier, step it up, being that leader that, you know, not having a dog all year, all year we needed that dog, got into the postseason play got into those deep games where he did show up. um, I mean, I don't think it's going to be missed. Like, let's not be real that we couldn't expect that he was not coming back to Tennessee. We've had our maxed out scholarships. Obviously, he could have done the the Triple J route and, you know, came back as a walk-on probably, but Tennessee definitely expected him to be gone. And I think we all really know, you mentioned, you know, West Virginia, Baylor, Michigan. I think we all really know that he was kind of Michigan bound, even when he was in the draft, just because of having his name in the portal on top of that. But, you know, obviously the rumors way, way back that we talked with Ronnie about him, you know, being close with Caleb Love, North, mm-hmm. north Carolina there. Uh, not to mention, you know, obviously we played Michigan two years ago in the, in the tournament. So no telling what kind of relationship there has been there. But I, I think this one was kind of expected. Uh, how that plays out in a different, you know, offense, different environment up north, I guess we'll find out. But I'm not going to, you know, beat myself up about it just because like what you said, he oh. – he, he, He's one of those guys that, you know, didn't take it to the next level. He kind of got stuck there until he had those performances. And that's just being respectful. But now you got guys like Dalton Kinnett, uh, Chris Ledlam, new bodies. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm not hurt by it, Drew.
1: I mean, I, I'm not either. Like, you know, like, I, I appreciate all of the moments that he did have here and the performances, you know, I mean, cause he did, you know, he, he could have, he could have easily left two years ago, you know, he could have, I mean, he could have left elsewhere left- – you know. He's an
0: even better person. And when you see him around, you know, the moments with him and Viscovia or Zakai and Triple J, always having that smile from a big guy like that, You kind of felt the energy. And it was easy for him to be a fan favorite after his performances like that. But at the same time, also seeing the reaction of, you know, leaving the team and, like, hearing that other voice when we've seen how it's played out with past guys. I'm just not going to beat myself up about it until Michigan's in the Final Four and Olivier Camel gets <laughs> into a national championship. Yeah. Because what I've seen last year when guys left like Brandon Huntley Hatfield it went to Louisville and was like their worst player on the roster. Uh, I'm just not going to beat myself up about it. Drew I, Barnes and this basketball team have I, flipped this roster, yeah. but I'm not going to think that Olivier Camwall is going to go out there and flourish. I mean, no. I, I definitely see him going back to his home country and playing ball, and that's just being respectful. That's not even trying to diss the guy, but it's kind of hard when you have to you know bet on yourself and take your name out of that drafts portal and drafts pool. Um, some guys do that shockingly, but really it's because you didn't get the feedback you wanted, and it's just not going to happen.
1: No, I mean, and that I mean, I think that goes for everyone in general. I mean, I think that goes for you know Triple J as well, which is one of the main reasons why he did wind up coming back here. And I mean, I think you could even make that argument towards you know Vascovia as well. But I mean, I appreciate in general like what Kamwa did here. You know, he did wind up playing four years here. He did contribute a lot, had a lot of you know memorable moments for sure, but. You know he is. Uh, he's a re- he's a replaceable piece. I mean, like he's a re- replaceable piece I mean, in he's this. Been already, yeah. And oh. I think we're in a better position as far as the center and power forward position than we've been in the last couple of years, especially when you have Chris Ledlam, uh, Toby Walker is going to be developing tremendously. Jonas Adu is going to have that starting five position, and he's going to he's yeah, going to shine. And you know, JP Estrella as well. So yeah, seeing how jou-
0: seeing how big. JP Estrella was just in the video of him arriving on campus that guy is absolutely been, huge. huge and I, not like I'm not for certain but I'm pretty sure by the video and Olivier's video leaving from him arriving I'm pretty
1: sure he has Olivier's room so <laughs> they all just mean, it, it's possible it's certainly possible for sure but I think regardless though I mean I think it's good for him to be able to go to a different program I wish him nothing the best. Um, obviously unless he plays against us Finn and I hope that he has one of his Georgia performances where he scores like two points and goes one from 10 from the field but other than that, um, Brando, any final thoughts whether if it's baseball going into this weekend, basketball, football recruiting uh, I mean we're less than a hundred yeah. days now till it's football time in Tennessee as well you know just right around the corner
0: so yeah, I mean freaking what? september 2nd not even four months away now under four months that's insane right
1: less than two less than two months
0: holy shit. Wait, no, it's bro it's june oh less than three months sorry yes yeah, so, okay so i mean <laughs> obviously a lot to look forward to as the baseball is going to supers i'm, I'm hype about that hopefully next time this time next week we're talking about tennessee being omaha bound um and maybe can even you know dive more into that with a full crew i think Football recruiting obviously pumped the brakes, like we said, for the guys that, you know, Tennessee didn't have their go their way. I think Tennessee is going to receive really, really good news in the football recruiting part with, you know, this next weekend of guys that have been trending towards Tennessee locking in their official visits they are going to be on those official visits like Max Anderson, the four-star uh, interior offensive lineman, and the four-star athlete, Kingston Lopa. Really interested to see how those guys uh, come out of their visits from Knoxville. I think Tennessee's eager to get some guys in the boat just the one calm the nerves, but two, because they've been building those relationships. Like we said, Drew, like these are two guys that have been to Tennessee for unofficial visits that are definitely high on the board and, um, are Tennessee's top targets. So if Tennessee, you know, for some reason they commit elsewhere. You have guys that are like high on the board that are start trending. Maybe we'll talk about, you know, being worrisome for this 2024 class, but I think Tennessee is definitely going to get some good news coming out of that. And then, like you said, uh, the basketball team on their way and the softball forgot to mention them. this shout out to that for that special season they had. Obviously, not going their way, but I don't think any of us had any idea they would be in the college softball world series. Let's be realistic. Uh, yeah, so. no, I mean,
1: big shout out to lay softball. Great run. You know, anytime you make it to Oklahoma City and make that, you know, make the college world series, that's always, you know, a successful season in my books. You know, fair play to them. I mean, I I think we could all agree that that Oklahoma team who's won 51 straight now, I think they're going to wind up winning the whole entire damn thing anyway. So it's a tough break, you know, but congrats to them on a hell of a season. Uh, This is going to be a very interesting series this weekend with Southern Miss. I mean, I think it definitely goes certainly a lot of ways, but I think it's going to be in favor towards the bus just simply because – their ace is going to be worn out, thrown almost 200 pitches over last weekend alone. Uh, you're going into the factors that we have, you know, Andrew Lindsey and Drew Beam Chase Dolander is our three top guys, too. And I think you're going to wind, in my opinion, you know, maybe a hot take. I think wind up in that game, too, you're going to wind up seeing either Drew Beam or Chase Dolander or both play in that game as well. So, I don't think I, I uh, definitely see us, in
0: my opinion, I guess my prediction, I see Tennessee winning in two. Um, I think that Ace is going to be tired coming in. And I think if Tennessee can get high in that pitch-kick count, take advantage of that, get some runs on. Um, I just see them exhausting the scoreboard, like we said, when the offense is alive, and especially Dolander is locked in, like Logan said. Uh, th- that two combo, it's just unstoppable, man. Like I think game one definitely leads for the balls. Maybe there's some trouble game two. I don't know, but I definitely think that Chase Burns is going to be electric in that, and just I don't I don't see the balls going to game three or needing three in this. It's going to be hard. To see if how uh, Southern Miss fans show up, they're you know determined and all that, but I don't think they understand what Tennessee and what we're used to in Knoxville, Tennessee, and being all on the road. Everyone's hated us all year long, getting hot at the right time. Everyone had us written off, and uh, we have a lot of damage, like Kobe said. Jobs not finished, jobs not done, and I think this team's going in there prepared to try to get to Omaha. They're gonna, they're obviously pissed.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely going to play a chip on their shoulders, even despite that chaotic atmosphere over in southern Mississippi. I don't think it's going to play a factor. I got Vols sweeping southern Miss. And they're going to be going to Omaha for, what, the second time in the last three years, which is going to be a pretty remarkable feat for the baseball program and Tony Vitella. But, uh, yeah, other than that, obviously we miss uh, out on Lowe and Big Rob and Alex, of course, will not join us, but we are very thankful for Logan Quentin coming on. Brando, always a blast, my guy. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe after a win on Saturday or on Sunday, drinking from the kegs glory, maybe we'll even get like a little, uh, a little Twitter a little space. Victory
0: space. I definitely am down for that.
1: Yeah. So, other than that, though, take it easy, go balls, and uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, shit.